<laughs> oh, good morning. How are you today? Good. What a great look, much better, good looking, better group than the first service that was in here. But please don't tell them I said that because I told them they were really good looking. So anyway, so just great to be here. By the way, just so you know, I actually graduated from Bellevue West. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's back in the 1900s. But anyway, I um, perhaps or maybe you saw my picture on the wall of champions. I say maybe because it's not there, but I, I um, just, it's great to be with you and had a great time at the Encounter Retreat. For those of you who are on the Encounter Retreat, we had a great time, and so it was just fun. Thank you. I always enjoy coming to Southridge. Great, great looking group. And oh, I love your new church. I love this. This is great. Don't you love your new church? Do you love your new church? Come on, clap even if you don't clap for your new church. This is good. Yeah, I know people sometimes change is hard, but this is good. We like it. And I think it's just really cool that we're all gathered together here like this. And so thank you. Thanks for coming today. Hope you've been having a great week and weekend and look forward to a great week in front of you. And so I, I understand that you guys have been on this stupid series and uh, that you've been doing this stupid thing. And so I, uh, I want to, what I want to do is I want to talk about the title of the message this morning. Oh, uh, by the way. Um, uh, my oldest daughter, since I was with you last time, my oldest daughter is pregnant. She's due here in a couple weeks, so it'll be our third grandchild, so that's pretty cool. So we're excited. We got a boy and a girl, and then, you know, we're going to break the tie on this one. We're not really sure which or who, because we haven't found out. She didn't want to know, so this is going to be exciting, so we're going to find out, so it's going to be fun. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So um, we're going to, so the title, we're going to talk about this new message. Uh, the title is uh, How to Get Smart. How many of you remember the series on television back in the 60s, Get Smart? You remember that? Okay, some of you are like, we're showing our age a little bit here. Um, but for those of you who are younger, don't know about it, was, by the way, it was one of my favorite um, uh, television programs ever. I love that show because 86, that was smart. He was agent 86. And then his sidekick, anybody remember what her number 99, yeah, who, by the way, I had a little crush on when I was growing up. And how many of you had a crush None of the husbands are raising their hands because their wives are here. But anyway, so, but yeah, I had a little crush on 99. She was really pretty. And um, I love the show. And so here's the setup, in case you're not familiar. Uh, you know, Chaos, the bad guys, they would always try to get smart. And so, and smart was his name. So it's kind of a little fun play on words. But so we've been doing this thing on uh, how to avoid being stupid. Today, we want to talk about how to get smart. So let's try to do it from the standpoint of trying to get smarter and not focus so much on how to avoid this, but rather how to do this. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. And, and uh, so anyway, it's in Romans chapter 12, starting verse 1 and 2. And I encourage you to jot some notes down out of your uh, handouts there. There's some note, a note, little note page for you, and you can jot some things down. We'll have some fill-ins for you. And uh, so Romans 12, I, usually, I, I don't normally read out of the message version, but I want to read out of the message version, a different version of the Bible, just because it's so, so clear and how it kind of conveys this whole message here. So let's look at it together. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And then he says this. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you, fix, that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, don't be stupid. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, 
God brings out the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. Now, to kind of understand these two verses that we're looking at this morning, you've got to understand the context. In other words, the bigger picture. Remember that in the Bible, uh, books of the Bible weren't written with chapter and verse originally. They were just written as one long letter. So it's just one long letter, Romans was. It wasn't until later on that they started adding chapters and verses to it to kind of help us be able to find different reference points in the Scriptures. And so we realize that the writer of Romans writes this thing with the context in mind. And the context of this is that the first part of Romans, he's really talking about this thing called theology. Theology basically meaning like concepts about God or who God is or what God does. So these are just conceptual images that he gives to us. Well, in the second half of Romans, where we find ourselves here in Romans 12 now, what he's doing is he's saying, okay, now let's talk about the application. So in other words, we're going to talk about the concepts about who God is and what he does, and then we're going to learn about how to apply it here. And so that's where we find ourselves right here in Romans chapter 12. The the gears kind of shift for us. And so this application part, he says this, the first thing he does, take our lives Our everyday lives, getting up, going to work, going to school, going back home, going to bed, getting up, doing it all over again. Take our lives and do something with them. And what is that? Offer them up to God as a living sacrifice, as an offering to Him, as something that God could take and use in a greater way than ever before. And so your first fill in there is this. Application must follow theology. In other words, it's not enough. Watch, it's not enough just to study about God or know things about God, but it's taking those concepts or that theology and then applying it to our lives over here in the application. So now we're walking out in our daily lives everything that we're learning while we're here in church or in a Bible study or doing our devotions and just kind of reading through the scriptures, but all those things we take now and apply to our lives. So simply put, our lives are to be an offering. God, I'm offering myself to you today in every way, and this, watch this, this becomes my act of worship. So as a result of that, I realize that my worship is not limited to a song service in a church or to a Bible study, but I can take my everyday life and in everything that I do in life becomes worship before God. So not just in this building or not just at home with my Bible, but everything that I now do is in essence worship. Let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, I don't know, Troy, how it is here in Nebraska, but in Missouri, there are some crazy drivers. Is there a thing here called road rage? Do you guys have that? Road rage? Anybody? Anybody? Don't, don't, some of you are nudging your husbands right now. Okay, uh, listen, um, I, I'm just going to confess to you that part of the thing that Jesus is still working on in my life is this whole road rage thing, and so, because every once in a while we have stupid... Uh, We have people who aren't as familiar with the ways of the road that live in Missouri, and so we've got to kind of help navigate them. Are you with me on that? You understand what I'm talking about? So what I do is I realize that my windows are are up and theirs are up, so I've got to yell for them to hear how to do this correctly, right? Okay, so you yell, hey, you kind sir, could you please not do that again, or whatever it is. And so, um, uh, hey, people cutting you off, and, you, and you're, and you, and then, then you have to go to Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me for yelling, and, and so all of that, right? And so, um, so, what if instead, what if I offered my life in worship, and I allowed people, or even extended for other people to go? In other words, I stepped back and allowed others to have the right of way, when even it was my right of way. 
What if I did this? What, what about changing a diaper? You say, wait a minute, changing a diaper is an act of worship? Okay, you had me at road rage. You just lost me at changing a diaper. Here's why it is. Because you know that in some countries that little infants, little babies are not valued, that people will take them and toss them aside, throwing them on the streets, not wanting them. So when you and I do something as simple as simply change a diaper, what we're saying to that little life that God created is, I value you, and I want to do everything I can to help you through life, even making you cleaner than you were just a few moments ago. I'm going to help you. That becomes, in essence, a spiritual act of worship, saying, God, I value the life that you've given me, and I'm going to take care of it for you. What about this? What about studying for a test? You see, rather than just saying, you know what, who cares? You study and you pray. And by the way, as long as there's tests in school, there will be prayer in school. But you just continue to pray and you just continue to study. And in essence, what you're doing by studying, by taking time to study for a test, is you're saying, God, I want to do my very best. I really want to do my very best. And so I'm going to discipline myself and study. And more than just studying a test, it becomes an act of worship, saying, God, I'm going to do my best for you. So here we go. What about this? Shoveling your neighbor's driveway. You get that one. That's easy. Yeah, I'm going to serve my neighbor. How about smiling at someone or extending a hand or a warm welcome to someone? How about bringing cookies to the guest speaker? Uh, sorry, did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I, but it is a good thought. And No? Okay. So we'll go on. But the idea being that whatever we do in life, even those everyday little mundane things in life, suddenly take on a whole new meaning. Why? Because as I offer my life, to him, he then begins to do things inside of me that allow me then in turn to be able to do more for him, and it's a relationship that goes back and forth. In other words, my relationship with God is not one-sided. I give and take, and he gives and take. I do something, he responds. He does something, I respond to it in that way. So in other words, it's like this. As I show kindness in the physical world around me, it's a reflection of all the spiritual encounters that I've had with God. So those moments when I've been at the altars or I've been praying or I've been worshiping or I've been doing different things suddenly begin to change me on the inside and I find myself bringing that over into my everyday life. And so suddenly it was more than just this one little encounter that I had with God on a Sunday. Suddenly it begins to transform itself into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. While I'm at work or at school or at the store, or at the gas station, or wherever I might be. You see, watch this. Whatever I do in my physical body is simply a reflection of what God is doing inside my heart. Let me give you an example. When you worship, some of you will lift your hands in worship. You say, why would you do that? That seems kind of silly. Perhaps you thought that the first time you saw someone doing that. You say, why are they lifting their hands? Do they have a question? What's going on? Why are they lifting? Because it's a reflection of their heart condition that they're saying, Jesus, I am extending myself to you, or I am surrendering myself to you, or I am giving myself to you. And so what I do in my physical body is simply a reflection of what God is doing in my heart. So the physical and the spiritual begin to work together. Or how about this? Some of you have been baptized in water, and you've come up, and you say, why is that so significant? They just got wet. So on the outside, they're just wet. 
But why did they get baptized? Because it was a way for them to say on the inside, God's changing me, and I want to follow him in obedience because he asks us to be baptized in water, and I want to show the world around me that I am wanting to become a new creation in Christ, a new person in Jesus. I want to follow him, and this was just the way to show you what's going on in my heart. So suddenly we begin to realize that everything I do in life, every little mundane task, every waking moment suddenly has a spiritual implication to it, and it begins to affect other things. And as a result, a transformation takes place. Now watch this. In the same way, in your next fill-in, as we have spiritual encounters with God, He, God, addresses our everyday physical needs. So as I begin to open myself up to Him and have these encounters spiritually with Him, He then begins to address the physical aspects of my own life. Exodus 23 is a good example. Let's look at it on the screens here. It says this, worship the Lord your God. There's the spiritual part. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water. In other words, as I have an encounter, He meets my physical needs. And then I will take away sickness from you. And then during those times when we do stupid things, and we all do stupid things, every one of us do things we kind of mess up in. But during those times, He sings over us songs of freedom to help us as we are going through that tough time. Psalm 32 says this, you, God, are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance or freedom. So in essence, what he's saying is, when I mess up and do stupid things, God begins to be able to be a protector for me. So as I go to him and say, Jesus, you know what? I blew it. I messed up. I'm sorry. He protects me and begins to sing over me. Why? Which is a very spiritual application or piece to the puzzle there. But what's happening is he's beginning to sing these songs of freedom, saying, you know what? We're going to get through this together. Trust in me. Let's walk hand in hand together, and we'll make it through this time as we do this. But here's kind of the problem for some of us. We've kind of compartmentalized our lives a little bit. We have our physical life. We do our work. We do our school. We do our stuff. We get dressed. We cook the meals. We do all the things. And then we have our spiritual life over here. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we pray, we worship, we do those things. So what if we brought those two together and said, now, instead, everything I do over here matters over here, and everything I do over here matters over here. So in other words, what if we looked at it this way? I'm cooking a meal for my family. And instead of just saying, you know what, it's just a meal, I'm just cooking a dinner because they need dinner, what if I began to realize that I am taking care of people that God dearly loves. I'm providing for them, and and that becomes an act of worship to Jesus. Or what if by just simply helping your kids get dressed, or taking even uh, taking the trash out, or doing those little mundane things that we kind of don't like doing or what just have to do in life, we suddenly begin to realize, wait a minute, there's a possibility that this thing that I'm doing could be an act of worship to Jesus. That there's something greater behind what's taking place. So what I do in my physical body is simply a reflection of what's taking place in my heart. So when I serve others, that's something Jesus is doing inside of me. When I'm kind to others, that's something God's doing inside of me. When I extend a welcome, that's something God is helping me with. See, and I don't know about you, but I wish it would happen overnight. We could all be just transformed and be these great people. But it's, as we know, it's a process that takes place over a longer period of time. And so we see that as we go through this and offering our lives in this daily encounter with Jesus, that it's this this every day deciding and making a decision to follow him and have encounters. But at the same time, we realize 
that he has encounters with us. Now, how many of you remember back in the old days that, that item that you had in your house called the rotary telephone? Any remember the rotary telephone? For some of you who aren't familiar with the rotary telephone, it was actually a phone that you had. It had a cord on it. I know you're thinking a cord. But, and you had to dial it, so you had to like, and if you had to call the operator, and I know some of you are like, an operator? What's an operator? But if you had to call the operator, you had to go zero. It's like, and if someone had like a number like 987-9498, you could actually do lunch while you were dialing the phone. I mean, it was just, it took that long to get around and stuff like that. And we, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to call, call a place and get a hold of somebody. And then we reached, reached this euphoric state where we had the push button. Remember that one? I'm cool. Yeah. You know, and you just push the buttons and then you had speed dial. Ding. Hello. And then, wait, watch this. Remember? Remember? cordless telephone. You remember that one? Hey, guess where I'm calling you from? Hello? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I was calling you from the other side of the house. Oh, you know, I mean, you just thought you were so cool, you know, just being able to run around anywhere with your cordless telephone. And then suddenly we found ourselves with this. Isn't this great? I mean, you could do all kinds of things with this. Do you realize that today that with this smartphone that we have, that the average person checks their smartphone 150 times a day, about every six minutes, they're checking their smartphone. Games, Twitter, songs, Instagram, apps, emails, texts, Google, series, Facebook. Oh, and, and phone calls, too. You can do that as well. But we have all these things that we can do with this smartphone. Not so smart. But the idea being, remember, remember back in the day when you would call somebody, you would actually call a place. You'd say, hey, is Rod home? Oh, he's not? Okay, tell him I called. But now you can call them any place. I was in the Philippines. I called my wife at Walmart in Missouri. I, how cool is that? I'm in the Philipp the other side of the world, and I called her on a phone. See, we used to call a place. Now we call a person because we can reach him anywhere. And what if we took that same idea and applied it in our relationship with Jesus? Well, rather than the idea that the only time I really can ever get a hold of Jesus or he can get a hold of me is at a church service or at a Bible study at a place, what if instead I kind of had the kind of a I-spirit kind of mentality where instead he could have access to me, at me, with me at any time, in any place, at any moment, and me the same with him. So I could be driving down the road. I could be at a gas station. I could be at home. I could be laying in my bed. I could be jogging. I could be doing whatever I'm doing, and he's always able to speak to me, and I'm always able to speak to him. And it's not limited to a place. It's not limited to a certain time of the week or the day, but rather... All the time, in every situation, I can have encounters with Jesus. So I realize that all the things that I do, offering myself, offering my life, every little thing I do from serving a meal to changing a diaper to helping a neighbor to extending a hand to someone has a spiritual impact upon some life in some way. And as a result of that, I realize that I am always accessible to the voice of what God wants to do and speak to me at any moment, always interacting always encountering the Spirit, ready to answer, ready to engage, ready to listen, ready to walk with, ready to turn, ready to do everything that I would do with my phone. Now I can do in the same way with Jesus. He can always call me and I can always call him. So we see Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it tells us in order to get smart, we need to open ourselves up to a couple different lifestyle decisions. So let me give you those on your, on your sheets there if you want to take a look at that. The first one is simply this that we place our lives before God as an offering. Right out of Romans 1, 12, 1 and 2, what we just read. The first thing we do is we say, I'm placing my life as an offering to you, God. 
Now, if you're familiar with uh, the Old Testament, times before Jesus was here on the earth, uh, as we read about in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the priests would come and they would offer a sacrifice to God. What they would do is they would take an animal and they would kill the animal and they would lay it on the altar and that became the sacrifice to God. So in the Old Testament days, it was about a dead sacrifice to God. In the New Testament, what he's saying is this, I want you to offer, offer a living sacrifice. I want you to bring life to others. I want you to take your everyday life, my everyday life, and offer it to God as a way of sacrifice. So that becomes then the spiritual and the physical side of it. My life, my body, my everything, and saying it becomes my spiritual act of worship that everything I do now has ramifications in some way, in some, in some person's life. My everyday ordinary life now becomes more than ordinary. It becomes a way to kind of uh, uh, encounter not just Jesus, but encounter who he is through other people. Watch this. Everybody likes celebrities. You always, you know, we're, we, we love celebrities. We, we're like, oh, guess, guess, who I, guess who I'm following on Twitter now? Oh, or guess who liked my Facebook post? It was a celebrity. Or, or guess who I got? I was, I was at this place, and I got the, I, my elbow touched their elbow as we were walking by. And, oh, you know, and we just love celebrities. You know, I, I, I photobombed a celebrity. Oh, I'm in their picture. You know, I mean, we just love all these things about celebrities. You know, we like to be close to them. We like them to like us because it gives us some kind of a status or something like that. But take the word celebrity and then take the word celebrate. And we understand that celebrity and celebrate are all about the same thing. And so what if we said this? What if we treated everybody like a celebrity? In other words, what if we celebrated everybody? What if we looked at each other's lives and we said, you know what? I want to celebrate you because you're a gift from God. And so I'm going to offer myself to you as a way of celebrating who you are. I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm actually uh, uh, an alumni from Bellevue West. Did I mention that to you? So I kind of feel like I'm a little bit a part of the state championship. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I bet you that last night after the game that those players and coaches and the students all celebrated what happened when winning the state championship. I think there was a great celebration. And we celebrate a lot outside the church. I wonder how much we really celebrate inside. What if we looked at a celebration as a lifestyle? Where we just, rather than limiting our celebrations to certain times or certain places, what if we kind of had the idea that we could celebrate each other all the time? We say, you know what? I want to thank, and oh, okay, watch this. What if tomorrow on a Monday, I know you're thinking that Jesus isn't even awake on Monday, but he is, I promise. What if, what if on a Monday when you go to work tomorrow, you walked in and you found a coworker, and you just said, you know what, I just want to say thank you. I saw how you worked hard on that project and you did such a great job. I just want to say I noticed it and I want to say thank you. Well, you have just celebrated their life right there. You just made a big difference in their life. Now watch this. Everybody wants to be around people like that. Nobody wants to be around the person who's kind of always just dragging around. People want to be around people who are bigger and they have life and, and celebrate. And so what if you became that person? What if I became that person that people would want to be around? Why? Because it wasn't about us. It was about celebrating others, bringing life to others. How do you do that? You offer your life as an offering. And you say, God, however you want to use me today, go ahead. You can pass. Here, let me extend this to you. Here, you need help with that? How can I help you? How can I do something for you? And now suddenly I realize every little thing I do in life suddenly makes a difference 
in someone else's life. And then the next thing is this, fix your attention on God. Now, excuse me, when I was in high school, and again, if you're a student and you do this, and then you tell your parents that the preacher said it was okay, I'm going to deny it, so please do not say that, because I will deny it, but I'm just telling you, and don't do this. But when I was in high school, I, one of the things that I would do with my best friend is we would go out and get a quarter and some super glue, and then we'd go like to one of the malls, like Westeros or whatever, and then we would uh, take the quarter and super glue it to the floor, and then watch people try to pick it up. And so it was always kind of a little fun uh, thing to do. Now, again, if you're going to do that, I had nothing to do with this, and I will deny it, okay? So, uh, but anyway, and you just sit and watch, and people come by trying to get it up, and they couldn't, and they would try. Some would try for, like, minutes, and then they finally give up. Or the janitor would come by, and he'd be sweeping, and then the quarter didn't, so he'd come back, and he'd try it again, and then he'd come back, and he'd try to, and then he'd get his little chisel out and trying to chisel it off. But the best part, the greatest part of the whole night was when you'd put it at the bottom of the escalators. Because what would happen then is the person would come to bend over to get it, and all of a sudden people are coming. He just couldn't get the quarter, and people are coming. That was really, that was like an accident right there. It's like, you know, like pile up, whatever. It was a lot of fun. But the idea is, is that what would happen is, is that the individual would see the quarter, whatever, as they're traveling, and they would fix their attention. That second point, fix your attention, and they would fix it right there, and, and everything was focused. And so we offer ourselves first, and then we fix our attention on God. We say, God, I'm not going to find myself veering off or looking off. I'm fixing my attention on what you want. So I'm offering myself, and then I'm saying I'm fixing my attention on you. I'm staying focused on you because I know that at any moment, at any time, not just in church or during a worship time, but I can have an encounter with you and you're going to speak to my life and I have an opportunity to do something for you in that way. And then we come to the third thing. Quickly respond to what he wants from us. Quickly respond to what he wants from us. So the idea being that I offer my life. Here you are, Jesus. I offer to you. I fix my attention and now I listen and I quickly respond to it. As a parent, when we task and tell our kids to do something, we don't tell them to do something in hopes that they do it within the next five years. We're asking them to do it right away. Quickly respond to this. You know, stop beating your sister by the time you're age 16. No, we want them to do that now. See, right at this very moment, stop beating their sister. The idea being that in the same way as a father, God looks at us and says, listen, there's a reason I'm asking you to quickly respond to this. Watch, watch. I'm doing something inside you. You may not even be aware I'm doing it right now. But if you'll quickly respond to this, we'll get the transformation piece to this started a little quicker. We'll process down this journey a little quicker. And as a result of that, you'll be in the place, the best place that I could ever have for you. And you'll see your life changed. So I offer, fix, and I respond quickly to what he has for me. And then those times in my life when maybe I wrestle and I don't always respond as quick as I want, I learn from that. I grow from that. And I say, God, you know what? I didn't do it the last time as quick as maybe you wanted. But you know what? This time, I'm, I, I think I learned my lesson a little bit. This time, I'm going to try to do a little bit better. I'm going to try to respond a little quicker to what you're asking me to do. So I offer me and all the gifts and skills and personality and who I am I offer me to you with all the frailty and all the hurt and all the disappointments and all the great times and all the life you've given and all the things I'm grateful for. I offer all that to you and I fix my attention. I don't get distracted. And then I respond to you. And the cool part about it is, is that we do our part because it's a relationship. God's doing his part at the same time. So it's not 
I do, he do, does, or he does, I do. It's all about we're always giving and we're always taking and we're always learning. We're always growing in this relationship with him. It's out of his great mercy and his great love that I can even begin to do these things. See, I can't just go and say, here, God, I'm offering, I'm fixing, I'm responding in and of myself. Maybe I could do that for a little time in my life. Maybe I could, you know, for a week or two, I could really engage with that. But after a while, life comes at you and things are happening and all of a sudden you just kind of lose focus and you stop responding. So what happens is, is that God says, you know what, I know that about you. I know because you're my kids, you're my children. I know that there's going to be times when you're going to get distracted. I know there's going to be times when you're going to do some foolish things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you that the whole time I've been working behind the scenes out of my great mercy. So that leads us into the next part of this. After we quickly respond to him, God helps us. God helps us is your next fill in there. I was uh, a couple years ago, I was watching a video uh, and it was about a guy, I'm not even sure if he was a follower of Jesus or not. It never came up, and I don't, I don't know that he was or wasn't. I just don't. But what he was talking about was he talked about taking this 30-day challenge for himself. For the next 30 days, what he was going to do was he was going to give at every opportunity. So anytime anybody asked for money, he was going to give. Anytime anybody asked for a handout of any kind or something along life's way, he was going to give to them. He wasn't going to question their motives, wasn't going to question what they were going to do with the money or anything like that. He was just going to give. And he talked about at the end of those 30 days how something had changed on the inside of him, how he was a different person as a result of, in this case, I would call it offering himself as a sacrifice for others. And you know what? I don't know about you. Some of you already do that, and you're way ahead of me on this. But for years, I would go through life, and I wouldn't give in those situations because I thought, you know, they're just going to go buy alcohol or drugs, or they're just going to use it for bad things. And, you know, I would question their motives with it. And I would be concerned or even judging how they were going to spend that money. And so as a result, I found myself, I'm not even going to give in those situations. And then traveling internationally, if you've traveled international, you see and you know there's people all the time on the streets always asking for money. And, and I would just walk past them because I didn't know. Are they being legit? Is this good? Is this bad? And then all of a sudden, I watched this video, and I saw that 30-day challenge. And all of a sudden, I began to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe as, as a follower of Jesus, maybe I need to be offering myself. And I'm not telling anyone in this room what to do. I'm just trying to give you an example of a transformation piece in my own life where I found myself saying, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. Whenever there's opportunity to give, I'm not going to question motives. I'm not going to question what they're going to do with it. I'm not going to question how they're going to spend it. Because really, ultimately, it's not about what they do with the money. It's about what's going on in my heart and how I'm responding to Jesus. And so as a result of that, I started giving. So we'd drive up in the street corner, and there'd be somewhere with a cardboard sign. Roll my window down and give a little bit. Walking through a crowded street, some other country, and I'd see somebody, and then I'd see somebody else, and I'd see somebody else, and I would just give. I'm not trying to say, hey, look at me and see all the, because you know what? For years, I didn't do that. For years, I just kind of was very selfish in my own self and worried more about me and my situation. But as a result of that, now watch this. This is where we don't understand sometimes as followers and as people the impact that that little choice, that decision makes in our life. What I didn't know was is that God was doing a greater thing inside of me that went far beyond me handing out a couple bucks to somebody on a street corner. Or a bag of food to someone who says, I'm hungry. It was far bigger than that. Some of you may know that uh, I, up until this year, up until December 31st, I worked at National Youth Ministries at our denominational headquarters in Missouri. 
So I would travel all over the country, around the world, speaking to teenagers and youth leaders, equipping them and, 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 and challenging them and helping them and all those kinds of things. Well, that, that role ended for me December 31st. And a few weeks later, I found myself, and the really cool part about being able to tell you this story is because I know that this church, Pastor Troy and Jen's heart, I know your heart is all engaged in this, but what, what God was doing and where I found myself over these last four weeks now that is a little compassion organization called Convoy of Hope. So I now work at Convoy of Hope, which many of you are familiar with, which feeds, just one of the things they do is feeds 145,000 children in 11 different nations on a daily basis, who goes in after disasters and helps pass out supplies and water and food to people whose homes have been devastated, who goes and helps, uh, helps other countries learn how to do agriculture so that they can grow their own food, and on and on the story goes. So what that little piece of two years ago of me deciding to take a little challenge of passing out a few bucks, offering myself just as a little sacrifice, asking God to do something greater inside of me, all of a sudden I realized God was helping me along the way for a greater purpose, something bigger than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. Think of it this way, that little task that you're doing or that you have to do tomorrow, what if, unbeknownst to you, you begin to realize that God was doing something greater, something deeper inside of you and through you, that he wanted to bring you to a place that you never dreamed possible in your life? Why? It's because you just took a little step of saying, I'm offering myself, I'm fixing my attention, I'm going to do my best to quickly respond, but God, you've got to help me in this. You've got to help me. And then we go to the second one. God helps us, then God changes us. Because I can't change myself. I can do little things to help. I can do, take on new habits and try to form habits. But God, you've got to help me. You've got to change me. Because in and of myself, it's not always pretty. And so what, you, what I want you to do, God, is to change me and help me. And so he changes us from the inside out. In other words, what people see is who we really are on the inside. Isn't that what we really want for all of us? God changes us from the inside. He takes out a heart of pain and rejection and hurt and all the stuff, the insecurities, the fears, the doubts, all of those things, and he transforms us into people who know how to love and be loved. I wish it happened overnight. I really do. Not just for me, but for all of you. Because I think life in many ways would be so much easier if we just were all there. But for some reason, God chooses over a period of time and over a process to transform us. But what we need to understand is, is that he does help in that process and he does transform us and he does change us as we offer ourselves to him. And then finally, this morning is this, God brings the best out in us. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, as we've offered ourselves to him, as he helps us and he changes us and he grows us, at the end of that whole process, he begins to bring out the best in all of us. The very best, maybe that you don't even see inside yourself yet, even that you're even questioning is even there at this moment, he begins to do it. And isn't that what you want for everybody in life? Isn't what you want for every single person you come across is that they're at their very best, that they get to do the best things, that, that the best for others, I mean, unless they actually win a trip to Hawaii, then you really don't want them to do that. You want to do that. But everything else in life, I mean, don't you want that for everybody? See, you want everyone to be at their best. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to challenge all of us to be. None of us are there, or at least I'm not. I'm still, still walking the path, still trying to do it, still trying to offer myself to him, still trying to fix my attention, still trying to listen closely. But the comforting part for me as a person is I know he helps me. Out of his great mercy, 
Romans 1 or 12, 1. Read it. Out of his great mercy, offer yourselves. Out of his great love, offer yourselves. Fix your attention. Listen and respond. He changes. As, as I change on the inside, what I do, because what I sense is happening, I begin to do different things on the outside. As he sees that, he begins to see how I'm beginning to serve more and love more. And then he begins to change more inside of me. And then as I sense that on the inside, I begin to do more and, and show more kindness. And then as he begins to see that, and it's that relationship, that back and forth that takes place. Everything I do physically has spiritual implications. Some of us have waited our entire lives to be our best. I want to challenge us and encourage us today that from this moment on, offer ourselves. Say, Jesus, do in me whatever you want. I want to be the very best I can be for you. That's my worship to you. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to learn from the Bible, to try to understand more and more of what you're speaking to us. Thank you for that opportunity that we all have this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to our lives and encouraging us. Thank you for helping us in the midst of some tough battles that we all face in life, in the midst of some of the stupid decisions we make in life. Thank you that you're helping us to get smart. So, Jesus, I pray for the people here and wherever they're at on the pathway, wherever they're at on their journey with you, Jesus, that you would help them and encourage them and strengthen them for the road ahead. For those, Jesus, who at this point in their life maybe don't have a relationship with you, maybe they've never turned their life over to you at any point, that today would be that day of transformation, that they would come to a place where they say, Jesus, I'm offering myself to you, and I thank you. The worship team is just going to lead us in a little bit of worship as we just kind of res respond and reflect upon what God has done. So just if you would, right where you're seated, just allow God to speak, and you just speak to Jesus during this time as this team leads us.